set your coordinates, and lock in your location because it's time for the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the meeting place to talk sports, pop culture, and everything in between. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. And welcome to the fifth episode of the Sports Refuge Podcast. I'm Earl Holland. If you're new to the show, this is where we talk to guests about sports, pop culture, and whatever else comes to mind. So far, most of the guests I've had the opportunity to interview, I've known for varied amounts of time. This next guest is probably one of the people I've known the longest, nearly 30 years. It's my cousin, Thuran Dennis. Growing up together in Newark, Maryland, me, Thuran, and my brother, Eddie, were a very tight-knit group, which I documented in a post at the Sports Refuge called A Baseball Fan Reunion More Than A Year Ago. Baseball was a big connection for the three of us. The plan for this episode was to initially have the interview feature Eddie, Durant, and myself, but due to some logistical issues, my brother was unable to participate. In this episode, Durant and I talk about our views of Sports Talk Radio, Dennis's baseball background, his love of soccer, the NBA, soccer versus ice hockey, our favorite sports announcers and personalities, and advanced statistics in baseball. We now join our interview in progress. With me is a contributor to the Sports Refuge blog, Thuran Dennis. How are you today, Thuran? I am all right. What's going on, bro? You know, uh, nothing is better than being able to just sort of do this thing. Podcasting is a nice way of letting out the creativity, letting it flow. It's a little different than writing sometimes, but I enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah, it's, um, like you're saying, it's uh, the flow of things, you know, like... Uh... I know, like, we, we tend to be pretty detail-oriented. You, you more so than I, I feel. But, like, I know with me, I can, you know, go over, you know, a sentence, like, five or six times and, and still not be satisfied with what I'm putting out. So, you know, just like you were saying, just, just a different approach. It's just getting it out there. Like, you know, sports talk, man. It's good. It, it feels good. It feels good. Like, it's how it should be. It's what we grew up listening to. And uh, it's cool that, you know, we get a chance to try it out for ourselves, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned sports talk, and I remember growing up in Salisbury, Maryland in the mid-90s, I feel like sports talk was a little bit different then compared to what it was like in Salisbury maybe five years ago. I remember growing up, sports talk 960 still was the station, and it was a little bit different. It was a hodgepodge of shows. It was some ESPN radio. It was some syndicated stuff, but they pretty much ran the one-on-one sports network out of Chicago, which eventually merged, and I think it's, I don't know if it's Sporting News Radio or if it's Yahoo Radio, whatever it is now, that's eventually its uh, successor. Wait, we were getting that out of Chicago? Yeah. Syndicated stuff out of Chicago, one-on-one sports. I'm not sure where Yahoo or Sporting News or whatever it's called now. I don't even think it's Yahoo anymore. Hmm. Interesting. The magic of satellite feeds. I remember those days. (laughs) Um, Jim Rome, is he still doing his thing, by the way? Yeah, he's still doing it. It's on CBS uh, Sports Radio, but he's also doing live shows on CBS Sports Network now. Oh, man, I'm so out of loop. I haven't listened to him in the longest, but... I you honestly know, haven't he, listened he, to him either. Listen to a while ago, and I've, I've always felt like he's been like the standard bearer for like sports talk radio. I'm glad he's still doing his thing because yeah, I feel like he's capable for a lot of personalities on air. And I think the funny thing is, I know that it felt like in the early days he used to take himself more seriously than he needed to. Mm-hmm. Now it seems he's a little bit looser, but it's been a while since I listened. Maybe it's because you have to listen to you know the comparison to like Colin Cowherd or some of those other guys on radio that aren't as interesting or assume this different mantle. I think Cowherd's interesting. He just tends to be contrarian. I think, you know, he does it on purpose just for the, the listeners, you know, just for the attention. I've always felt like Cowherd's gotten a bad rap. And I feel like he's like, 
even this, even this stuff, man, he's eligible. And it comes from a good place, like, philosophically, when you think of sports. I feel like he's, uh, he's about the community overall. I don't know, personally. I don't... I mean, maybe he does. I don't have and, anything like substantial to back that up. So, and it's interesting. They had <laughs> you know, an interview people are gonna check on me. Like, oh, where, what, what, you know, where did you get this from? Like, where did you say this? Like, no, I just just from listening to him, like, especially when he was on ESPN years ago. Like, I I did think he he kind of you know he took chances with some shots, but uh, I like I enjoy listening to Calhoun. He had Jim Ross on his uh, Fox show, or Fox Sports 1 show, and it's very interesting to see that even Jim Ross said, yeah, you know, you're playing the heel, things like that. I mean, especially it's interesting to have someone in pro wrestling on after Cowherd calls wrestling fans booger eaters and morons. Booger eaters and morons? Yeah, well, booger eaters, definitely. I've heard it myself. So, you know, okay. uh, He's not perfect. (laughs) No, he's playing a hell of a good heel. Yeah, it's like old managers from the 1990s, like Bobby DeBrain Heenan or something like that. You know, draw him in. You're going to listen to him to either see what he says next mm-hmm. that will piss you off, or you agree with him and you still want to hear what he wants to say. Maybe it's sort of, I don't even want to compare him to Howard Stern because I feel, one, that's a completely different animal. And Howard Stern's been doing it for yeah. years. And that's a whole different story. Uh, also, also, it seems, it seems like people people like, like Stern. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think so. Again, it's just I can't listen to a show just because of proximity and who's going to pay for it. Are you uh, are you still listening to uh, DP, Dan Patrick? If I'm ever up, and most of the times it's not on any of the radio stations. It's not on any of the radio stations near us. All mm-hmm. I get is like Philadelphia sports talk and Baltimore sports talk, but... No, really, no Dan Patrick, unless I get up early in the morning to watch it. And even then, it's not like the DirecTV audience network feed. You get the NBC Sports Network feed, which is pretty much cutting out a lot of stuff that you would see on the audience network in between commercial breaks and things like that. And even on NBC Sports Network, they're not on every day because auto racing or something else that's not high on the pecking order of sports, I guess maybe even the Tour de France, tends to preempt the show. Okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah, I've listened to him in a while either. What about uh, like uh, like a JT the Brick? JT the Brick. I've listened to him in a while. Is he still still doing his thing? Honestly, I don't know. I there's a Fox Sports station in Wilmington that I don't really listen that much to. It's on AM, and I only listen to it when the Orioles are playing, and I can't really get a good signal on the FM Baltimore signal. I guess he's still doing it. I'm not sure. There's a lot of stuff. I've fallen out of the loop listening to sports talk radio, especially with the employment of my iPod and, of course, being the others with the other stations in Philly and Baltimore. Just not as much time. Mm -hmm. Oh, just not as much access. Well, this is why we have have, have our our, our little show here. Yeah. You know, starting out. Now, tell the fans a little bit about your credentials. You played high school baseball at Snow Hill, Maryland, and you were part of a state championship team. How did you get involved in baseball, and what was your baseball background? All right, so uh, baseball, interestingly enough, uh, was not my first love. I actually wanted to play soccer. Um, Never got around to it. Then, of course, you and then Eddie, you guys showed me the game, and I instantly fell in love with it. And so basically, um, uh, I guess I'd skip the, uh, skip the T-ball phase or whatever. But, you know, from Little League to Junior League and then, you know, high school when we got there, played all four years, got to play with some really good ball players coming up. But uh, first name that comes to mind, of course, you know, Dana Cropper, you know, the All-American. 
Um, you know, he was uh, twice drafted, but first drafted by uh, by the Nets, right? And then uh, then by the Padres. Yeah, I, once I, by Washington, and then the second time by the uh, by San yeah, Diego. I don't know what happened to his crew overall after. But anyway, but um, yeah, you know, Daniel Cropper, um, Andrew Riggin, Andrew, like he had probably the best up the arm I'd ever played with. Uh, and the guy was crazy fast. Uh, good, great, great glove. I mean, he was an all around baller. I mean, he played anywhere. Uh, who else? Uh, some other good ball players. Um, there's, uh, I remember uh, Tim Gebhardt. There's uh, David Miska. Oh, Ryan Brewington. Uh, I see younger guys. There's uh, Mike Hitch. Uh, we got, uh, oh, Justin Cody. That, that kid was a flamethrower. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> not, 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 not to go down memory lane too much. Really cool and, and talented baseball players. And really cool personalities, too. And, and that, that's the thing that I really love about baseball, that it, it, it's really inviting. The, the game itself, like inherently the game itself, is welcoming of different personalities. Now, you know, those who are part of the game may not, you know, understand that. And, you know, you have, you know, those, uh, those quote unquote unwritten rules of the game or whatever. But I think overall baseball is, is, is very inviting. And for me, I, I, I played outfield in my career and left. Uh, I think that very much suited my personality <laughs> uh, for those, for those who, who do know me. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Baseball is a, is, is my love. It's definitely my love, but other, you know, I, you know, I, I, basketball, yeah, my dad, my dad, Randy, he's a baller. He's a beast. Handles like crazy. Sharpshooter. Uh, I learned the game through him. And so, you know, play that. I didn't, I didn't play in high school. I got cut freshman year, uh, second, second day of tryouts. And my sophomore year, I got injured playing football, which I didn't start playing until high school. And then sort of from the disappointment uh, from that, I quit football and ended up playing a little soccer. <laughs> so that childhood dream, uh, which was cool. That was, that was a pretty cool learning experience. But um, that and I ended up doing indoor track because, well, I wasn't quite the baller dad was in high school. So, yeah, I just, you know, I just kind of went all over the place just you know, athletically. But baseball was my main thing. Playing soccer. Honestly, I know you played soccer, but didn't know uh-huh. that soccer was one of your uh, passions as well. Yeah, man. Well, coming up, I was really all about kicking stuff. And so it was, I was going sort of back and forth between like watching the random soccer highlights to, uh, you know, watching Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, th- those guys back in the day, you know, Chuck Norris, of course. And one of my favorite movies growing up was a uh, best of the best two. It was uh, Philip Reed and Eric Roberts. Uh, so, you know, it was like, it was, you know, I, again, I, I like, I like kicking stuff and, you know, through, through soccer, you know, you have S and through jump off head you had the fury, <laughs> but, uh, no, dad never signed me up, man. Damn. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was upset. It was like soccer's karate and Adidas. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why he never signed. I mean, I would play with the kids like, um, Buckingham, I remember second grade in Berlin. I asked, I may have scored once or twice, but it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. And like, you know, when you're a little kid and you're told you're not able to use your hands or anything, you're like, oh, what is this? But like, you know, you sort of embrace the challenge even then, you know, growing up. But yeah, soccer. I um I wanted to be a footballer. I, really, I think I think I would have been really good. Uh, all American caliber if uh if I had started when I was younger. 
This is the second John Claude Van Damme reference we've had on a podcast episode. Yeah. He's the man. I was talking to somebody about him at work last night. It's weird. <laughs> Who's your favorite soccer player? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a favorite soccer player. And that's the thing. So, like, even though I appreciate soccer, I don't, you know, I don't really follow like that. You know, nowadays, it's almost like every other American, at least, you know, every four years, except for this year, right? Kobe Jones comes to mind, but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a brother out there, you know? Like, it's always good to see a brother out there, especially representing, you know, U.S. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I, I, I respect Landon Donovan. Um, I, uh, I thought it was unfortunate that, uh, what, he didn't get to play the team the last round, right? Or he didn't qualify or he got cut from the uh, World Cup team. Was it the last one or the one before? I think it was the last one where he did. Yeah, I think, I think it was the last one. Because uh, I remember he still wanted to play, and I remember like uh, like he was making like you know during his you know media circus whatever he was telling you know ESPN I think from what I remember I remember him being pretty disappointed just from like him talking with some of those guys. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really have too many too many dudes in soccer I, I, I'd look up to like to put it that way. What are your thoughts on the U.S. not making this World Cup? That has to be disappointing. And I've had people talk about how this will maybe stall or definitely do significant damage to the U.S. in soccer terms of growing the sport in the country. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised, really. I guess because, well, for one, I, I wouldn't expect this to lose to a country that's what, what turned out, turned out to be go was like uh, a million, like barely over a million uh, people in, in the country. It's a really small country. I, apparently it's smaller or it's like about the size or around the size or just a little larger than Austin or something like that. So anyway, whom we lost surprising. Um, but then like once you got, you know, once, once I got over that, I mean, yeah, uh, of course I was disappointed. I mean, I always look forward to seeing – Seeing you know the red, white, and blue represented in, in these world affairs, especially the World Cup. Um, but uh, you know, I just so I remember, I remember the night that I was walking home from work, uh, streaming ESPN radio in my earbuds. Oh yeah, full disclosure to those who are listening up, listen to ESPN radio all the time. In matters of ESPN, I may come off as a homer. But anyway, so uh, anyway, I was listening to. I don't even know the show, but some guy, I mean, he was, he was livid, just like, just livid. He was talking about how, like, um, I think uh, he was toward the coaching and, like, the overall just system of, of, bringing up, of bringing up soccer players. Because, you know, basically, well, I shouldn't say basically because I don't know for a fact, but I know in other countries, it's a study. It's about 15, 16, they're going to soccer academies and it's like school and then soccer. Like that's pretty much like all, like all they do for like maybe like a couple years or so. And then boom, like by the time they're 18, 19, they're like, you know, pro ready, somewhere like top in the world. Um, you know, structurally, they, they, uh, countries elsewhere, they, they really prioritize soccer as, you know, something something, you know, that you should ingrain and really craft if you're interested, you know, especially, you know, when you're younger. Whereas here, it's like, you know, you, you, you know, you play soccer for fun and it's something to do, you know, and 
Yeah, I'm not saying people, I'm not, I'm, I can't say, you know, everyone doesn't take it seriously. Just overall, compared to like how other countries do, how other successful uh, countries do with soccer, uh, we're pretty laissez-faire. And so basically, you know, what the guy was, you know, saying on the show was U.S. soccer really needs to like go back, like break it down back to the basics and like, you know, start taking models from, from other countries and really prioritize soccer as like an American thing, like an, as an American ideal. And, and instead of just something just like Americans do, because like, you know, people have wars over, over, over matches and, you know, conflicts over matches in other countries. Like I'm sure like, you know, you know, most casual sports fans are aware of like how serious soccer is like everywhere else except, you know, outside of the U S and so, yeah, like, like it's disappointing, but you know, it's revealing and, and maybe it was promising for, for future um, iterations of the team. You mentioned that, and, it, and you look at it in other countries, sometimes all you need is a ball and an open space of field, and mm-hmm. then you can play soccer and just worm from there. Well, but it's well, the it's same. Just like, uh, it's, it's just like uh, when people, you know, it's all about, you know, baseball, right? Like, for example, how, like, you know, Latin America has, has really come to the forefront, really has come to the forefront of, of like today's like you know baseball superstardom and and the way the game is viewed by many you know today and you know they do it out of love because you know you know they're using what milk cartons for or I don't know what they're using for balls what are they using for sticks you know Baby here sticks. in America we're we you know we're spoiled and so we don't prioritize the game like they like they do you know I'm like for Latin America baseball is a lifeline you know. Um, for other countries, soccer is a lifeline, you know, for you know, baseball here is like, uh, it's cool. You know, they're cool. You know, it's, it's cool to, uh, to go out and drink too. Like, it's just that we don't, we don't prioritize these games anymore. And as, and then as a result, you know, people are taking over, man. <laughs> people are taking over. I was going to say, honestly, what the equivalent of soccer in maybe South America is and baseball in Latin America is basketball mm-hmm. is what it is in the u.s people will take milk crates cut the bottom out and you can pl- and maybe attach it to a foam pole or something use a hammer and nail and they'll use that to practice shooting balls in i mean that might be the equivalent maybe it's not soccer it's not baseball but if you can find a spot a foam pole a milk crate something like that you might mm-hmm. just ball all the time if you can the nba it's it's about as big as it's ever been lately uh, i think i think people are really starting to pay more attention to the game um, you know, the NFL, of course, is going, going through its stuff. Uh, baseball may be on the rise. So, you know, complain about the games being too long, which I don't get. And <laughs> some people are complaining about the amount of home runs that hit, which I don't get either. But anyway, um, and of course, you know, we, you know, we, we are talked about soccer, but like basketball, basketball this season, uh, had a really hot off season, uh, started off on, 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 it started off hot this season. Um, you have, you have stars, like, in major markets, mid-markets. Um, like you were saying, basketball is low-maintenance, basically. So, like, it's, 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 it's the most accessible of the sports, if you ask me. So, I mean, yeah, dude, like, basketball, it's, I think that's going to be a new focus for, for up-and-coming generations. Plus, the money is awesome, right? And, like... Basketball players, you know, they're, they're, they're able to, to express themselves freely and they're able to have voices. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think basketball may be, or, well, I shouldn't say maybe. I think it's, got, it's eventually going to become our national pastime. 
and that's tough for me to say as a baseball fan. Uh, and, you know, some would say, you know, the NFL is it now. NFL's starting to turn down, and the NBA is coming up, coming up in a big way, I feel. Well, I think especially when you always worry about the concussion concerns in football, yeah. that could have some damage to the sport. Not even yeah, talking yeah. about <clears throat> the political things. In that case, exactly. if, even if you did, maybe that would turn a lot of people off to the NBA, especially... But who knows? But also, I'll say one gripe that I have with the NBA. Mm-hmm. I feel like, because the easiest thing would be would be to say, oh, like Michael Jordan said, oh, there's like two good teams and 28 other garbage teams. When in actuality, it's probably six good teams, five in the West, one in the East, and then 24 garbage teams or mediocre, mediocre yeah, yeah. to garbage teams. My thing is... Well, now, now I look back, you can't really say nobody plays defense, but there are a lot more high-scoring games than in the past. You're not going to see, like in the mid-'90s, you're not going to see a Mike Fratello-style team beat a team maybe 80 to 70. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these, these guys are just too talented, man. There's like, all right, so the talent does not speak to the lack of parity. Like, there's lack of parity, but there are still talented, talented, you know, ballers out there. The thing is, and I've... I've told people this before, as offense is concerned, with the way these guys are coming up, the handles, you know, the focusing on the, on the three-point you know, shot, uh, I just think that a good offense is always going to overcome a good defense. At its peak, it's uh, uh, reactionary. As long as you have the ball in your hand, you know, you have the advantage because you know where you're going. You know what I mean? And so I just think that with the guys coming up, these guys, they're finding, you know, more creative ways to get to the hoop. And, you know, defenses, you know, aren't able to keep up. I mean, I feel like there's only so much you can do. Kevin Durant, you know, stepped on foot. I don't know, it was like a buck 80. doesn't matter. But the dude's handles are sick. The guy can shoot. I mean, he's long. It's like, what can you do? Like, you can only defend. Like, you could D him up. D him up the best you can, right? All up in his grill. But what are you going to do when he's, like, fading away, going up in the air, like, five feet or six feet, and just jam him, you know? It's like, you don't do so much as a defender. Now, yeah, you know, Durant in anomaly <laughs> or an exception, you know, he and LeBron, of course, doesn't matter which order. But the thing is, yeah, man, it's just that, you know, the, the, the offense is at an all-time high because guys are creative. The creativity is, is, is booming. I mean, Kyrie, man. Look at Kyrie. Like, the dude, he's a magician on the court. Like, you could put three guys on him. He's still going to, you know, bottom and weave. It's like, what can a defense do when you got guys like that coming up? My one thing is, and it's easy to say, and I feel like it can be easy cop out, but the biggest issue a lot of people may have had in the NBA is feeling that there's a lack of competition because everybody wants to play with everybody. Some of those good teams in the 80s and 90s, Say what you want about the level of competition and maybe the, the style of the game back then is that those teams were built and those teams grew up together. Some of those teams were built. Some of those teams that you saw in the mid to late 90s or early to mid 90s were teams that were built, built together in the late 80s. Drafts, trades and things like that. Just looking at the Bulls and you can look at the Blazers. A lot of those teams were built in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. When you mentioned the construction of the teams in the 80s, I feel like a modern-day sort of like throwback to that would be the Celtics. Even though, I mean, yeah, they traded for Kyrie, but, like, 
Uh, I do, uh, Brad Stevens, he's trying to build from within. Like, they have a plan, they have a process. But, like, I'd say if not, you know, this season or next season, within the next, you know, three seasons, I mean, I can see them legit, you know, winning the title. But they also got Gordon Hayward as a free agent and Al Horford as a free agent the year before that. Right, right, so, right. I mean, that's but, three big acquisitions. But you look at our team, though. I mean, he's got a nice balance of income and talent, and you know, talent. They're you know, obviously trying to foster from within. I feel again, it's, it's not, it's not quite, not quite like the '80s, or not, not quite like how it used to be. Um, but I feel like if there were any, you know, sort of like present day throwback to that ideal, it would be the Celtics. Yeah, because I'm looking at it because even, even the Spurs. Or a lot of free agent acquisitions, aside from Aldridge. Lately, though, and Gasol, the, the, the Spurs, the Spurs. I, I feel like they they kept they 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 kept that sort of eighties model that that that, that you were that you were speaking of. But yeah, lately they've been bringing in guys. Hey, sometimes you just because gotta... you know, yeah, they're getting older. You know, it's you, you support. Like I, I feel like uh, I don't know. Like how, how much longer do you think Popovich is going to last there? You know, I, know I, I just feel like the era is about to turn pretty soon. Well, who knows? It all and you never know who's going think? to be the coach, the next coach after it. It could be Becky Hammond. It could be some other assistant. I mean, it, it all depends on how long he wants to do it. I think because everybody could said he could have left once Duncan left. Yeah. He has a lot of these guys, so he he can go as long as he wants to go. That guy's a beast. He is good. That's uh, a good story. It, like he's, it's he's, funny. He's, he's he, about offense, man. He's he's improved a lot. Like his his jump shot is nice. And a nice shot on him. I feel like. Right now, because all the only most of the NBA I see is Sixers, and again, as a team to be reckoned with, I feel like the big watching them back all the way from two years ago. Their biggest issue was they their defense was bad. They would allow a hundred points so often when they held a team under a hundred points, they'd win. And then last wait, year, it was just a wait, war of attrition. You have to watch them. Yeah. I mean, most of the times I don't have any choice. Well, back then when we actually had deadlines where we could actually wait for stories, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd watch the Sixers in office. And, and and the biggest thing you'd see, they had heart, but they couldn't stop anybody to save their lives. But if you had a team under 100, the Sixers won that game most of the time. But when you see them score average, let team score 120, 130, 115, they're not going to win. And then last year it was a battle of attrition where everybody kept getting hurt. You didn't have Simmons. You had you barely had Embiid. Everybody else got Covington got hurt at the end of the year. I was surprised they pulled off that many wins in. This year, it's growing pains. It's the actual growing pains. Everybody's playing, everybody's healthy. Embiid's still hurt every now and then, but he's still performing. That game against the Lakers in LA was probably one of the best games I had ever seen. That's the only game I've seen him in. Yeah, he looked, he looked good. He looked good. He, he needs to work on his handles, though. Uh, and and, and I, I'd, I'd heard people mention it after the game, too. But, yeah, I, even I saw it. Yeah, he, uh, he, he's got to work on his handles because I feel like he's, he's he's easily picked or he can be easily picked. But that footwork is Olajuwon-like. He does the that, dream that shake all nice. the time. Oh, my that, goodness. He that, 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 that guy can dance. Yeah. Can dance. <laughs> like Olajuwon uh, would say in his thick Nigerian accent, he would say it's a soccer move, which, and if you listen close enough, it would sound like sucker. <laughs> so it's, it's it's a sucker move. It's a sucker move. It's a sucker move. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much like that. Oh wow, there's so many things to talk about. I know you mentioned baseball and people complaining about mm-hmm. the length of the game, and it's funny how NFL games, the average NFL game, was longer than an MLB game, and there's more dead time in between 
on NFL games than there are on MLB games. Yeah, I, I mean, so, uh, all right, to the baseball thing. People, they've been uh, linking this uh, lack of attention because that's what it boils down to. It's, it's, it's today's society and our, I guess, like, you know, thinning attention spans, whatever. And I feel like when people say that, it's sort of a shot at, at the millennial generation. Let's face it, the millennial generation. I hate that because as a millennial, I appreciate the game as is. Like, why? I don't, I don't understand the whole fuss about the, you know, about, about, about the length of a contest. Like, you play to win the game, right? No matter how long it takes, you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, baseball anyway, right? Like, who, 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 who gives a shit? You know, like, you know, guys are trying to win. Like, why does it matter? The focus should be on teams' pursuit of victory and how one achieves that, you know, in a single contest. There's, regardless of how long it takes, it's like you just appreciate, you know, the road to victory. But I guess as far as time is concerned, like, yeah, like how come every every morning in the NFL lasts like two hours, it seems like, you know, like, that's it's like I don't know. Though some uh, some people have been have been uh, complaining about how you know the the replays have been taken away from the essence of the game and the flow of the game. But I mean, it's sort of a weird dichotomy when when you're asking you know there's to hurry up, but then like you're telling you know the NFL, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down. Make sure you get this right. Get this right. Slow down. Slow down. All right, but we want the right call though. But but you know, right, we want the right call. But you know, you know, it's like uh, it's 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 a weird sort of. So my thing is, look, just focus on the competition. That's it. I just feel like time, unless you know, oh well. I mean, I think you're assuming exactly. you're talking about every single Sunday night Yankees Red Sox game. That's about four and a half hours. That's ungodly and that's ridiculous. I mean, I, again, I don't. I don't. I don't care, man. I just. I just want to see a winner. I just want to see a good game. I see. I want to see a good game, and I'd like to see a winner. That's and all. When I see those two teams, uh, on I don't the want. To, I don't want to see a tight NFL again. I don't want to see that. That's lame. Yeah, especially but reducing I over. Takes, I just want to see a winner, and then in all the sports, just give me a winner. That's all. You reduce the overtime to increase the odds of a tie. And it's going to happen. So that means basically you've spent seventy minutes of game time maybe three to three and a half to four hours of real time watching two teams tie. Even hockey got rid of it. And I think that's a, that's saying something you're going to, you're going to be here for hours, but you're going to have a winner. Yeah. It might be shootouts. Yeah. I mean, it's like, all right, you know, what else would you be doing? Right. I mean, you tuned in for a reason, right? Like what else would you be doing? And like, whatever it would be, and just do that. And then just look up the score the next morning or the next night. Like, I just feel like as a spectator, you should be present. Just be there fully, regardless if you're, you know, watching the contest at, you know, at the venue or, you know, sitting on your couch or at the bar show or whatever. Like, who cares about the time? You know, just be present. Working in a radio station and, and being used to running the board for baseball games they pretty much have it down to a science as opposed to down to a silence. But 
Down to a silence. I like that. Yeah. Your band name. Down, Down to a silence. See, yeah, there's there's always think of different band names. Uh, well, 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 the awkward pauses like all our songs. <laughs> yeah, you know it happens. You know. know, it's like listening to Rome. You get the pregnant pause. Fun. Exactly. No. Exactly. There we go. Bring this. Bring this full circle. Love it. Love it. <laughs> but the biggest thing is working at a radio station and knowing how the run times are for commercials. They pretty much have it down packed. Two and a half minutes. That's it. Commercial bullpen change, things like that. You know, and there's what at worst case you're going to have a maximum of at least seventeen two minute commercial, two and a half two minute commercials. That's about. 40 minutes of commercial time. But you know that. You know that getting into it. That's not counting the pitching changes and things like that and other stuff. But, there, I mean, aside from the other stuff in between pitches and things like that, you're not going to, unfortunately, you're not going to see the days where, oh, there was a game in 95. It was Braves and somebody else. Maddox was pitching. They were finishing an hour 59 minutes. Damn, that's 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 unheard of nowadays. Holy cow! <laughs> two and a half hours. Actually, the Orioles surprisingly their games have been two hours and forty minutes a lot last season. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the games most of the time wow. they end at like almost not even ten. If they start on time, they'll end a little before ten. I have no clue the average duration of uh, of, of game time uh, the Nats uh, endured this year. But I don't know, it's just one. It's just you know, it's it's not it's nothing I pay attention to. So I guess I would never really, really be able to like com- compare statistically. But so the thing is like, all right, people say sports is an escape, right? Yeah. It's a question like, why worry about, you know, how much time you're, you're spending away from whatever you're escaping from. It's an escape, you know, enjoy it. Stay true to like the spirit of the thing that you're investing in. You know, if it's an escape, then it should be just that. And you should be wholly consumed by the escape. That's the way I see sport. Oh, no, I see it. Some people use it to escape their family. Some people use it to escape their job. Some, yeah, so why, so why worry about time? One of the things that you and me, we have a disagreement on sports-wise, and just coming back to it, soccer versus hockey. Hockey. <laughs> man, I still can't get into hockey, man. Like, I just, uh, dude, I mean, here, here you know, Baltimore, Mid-Atlantic region, like it's Caps Nation. And people love their caps, but you know, I just gotta go and take it in just in person. Maybe I'll find maybe I'll develop a new appreciation for for the game. Yeah, I feel like I still haven't been to one yet. And I enjoy watching it on TV. It's fast paced. It's what you think of soccer. Basically, the good thing about soccer is that game's over in 70 and maybe 90, well. The game's over in less than two hours. That's one of the best things about soccer. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's boring, which is funny because I, I like hockey and I don't, it's not for the fights. I like it because it's fast paced. Just the, just the quickness of how easy, you, it, of the quickness and the easiness of how someone can score and sometimes the bizarre nature of it. And I feel like with a goalie, I mean, with a big goal in soccer, you got a good chance of scoring if you're accurate enough. The person is not stressed Armstrong or Mr. Fantastic in goal. And then hockey, you got that small little goal. You got the six spots, or five or six spots, depending uh-huh. on. You got the one hole, two hole, three hole, four hole, five hole. I feel like now there's more precision that needs to be involved there. Well, I will say, I do think a hockey goalie is like the, like the most badass position in sports. Like, you got to be tough, man. That's, I couldn't imagine being a goalie, especially like 
especially like during the day, uh, during the days of like uh, what a Gordy Howe when like they didn't wear helmets for or masks for like the longest or whatever, and like you just had to just like you had like you had to be quick, yeah, you had to be aware, you had to be present. But man, that's badass. Can you imagine getting nailed by one of those pucks? Like just oh oh just oh. How many of those stories like, you see? All your front taken out. <laughs> The people you see yeah, that don't have that even have mass still get hit in the head with the with the play. yeah it's it's nuts man like you got to be tough to play hockey this, this is true but I I find it barbaric man I do, I do find it barbaric uh, but you're right though man it is quick I mean like yeah I don't follow it but like every now and then I'll look to to a Caps game or any game you know just rolling through and you know it's, there's action I mean like it's it's exciting I can't deny that I mean. Is that there's definitely more more excitement than soccer. I could I'll admit that. But the thing I like about soccer is like it's uh what's what's the best? I like the continuous like flow. Uh because well, you know, I guess just inherently because you know it, it goes continuously for 45 on and off, you know, outside of stoppage time. And it, it leaves a lot of room for like narrative. Whereas like I feel like hockey because it's you know bang bang like you, you don't have as much development like to a goal even though even even, even though you know hockey games they're not exact they're not you know, exactly high scoring either um, but I like to build up to a goal in soccer more than I do in in hockey because I just feel like it's more exciting and I do feel it's harder like I, like like the like the, the hockey not hockey goal I mean yeah like precision but. I mean, you blow that up to I forget the exact you know measurements of a soccer of a soccer goal, whatever, but I mean they're also you know playing on this large pitch too, you know, so in addition to have, to having to be you know precise you know with your shots, whatever, like you have to like you know still maintain that like endurance and I feel like you have to have like a lot of power, you know you can be just like. Kind of just like strolling on the field, like oh, okay, oh, I'll just pass here. But then, like when the time comes, like you just gotta be able to just to turn up just like that, you know. But um, I don't know. That's 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 kind of my take on, on the two. But maybe they're not as different as, 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 as I plan, you know place them out to be. I feel like with any sport, a good announcer can make a game. Uh, so that's that's another thing we debate: the importance of announcing, which I don't find it to be that important at all. That's a whole other thing. I always see this. You've probably seen or heard Gus Johnson call a soccer game as opposed to him calling no. a college basketball no, game. No, I have not. I have not. I know Gus Johnson did that a little bit back when they first brought him the Fox. Uh, they had him do a couple of games. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you could hear the excitement there, but it wasn't like Gus doing a tournament. Yeah, Gus doing a tournament. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. We need. We, I feel like we need more voices like us, is like quelled in the media. I felt not was, as not as loud, not as prominent. I, I felt so. it was criminal for them for CBS not to bring Gus back. Why didn't they? I don't know. Is it too loud? No, I don't think Maybe so. Everybody knows. Madness. I mean, well, you see all the YouTube videos and everything of Gus Johnson doing this, the funnier die, greatest moments in history thing they had Gus do. It's. People love Gus. Maybe, yeah, maybe some people thought he was a little too over the top, but sometimes but you have to have a little March over the Madness, top. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'll take him over yeah, Jim Nance any day. like you're calling golf. I'll, that would be <laughs> you know, awesome. You know. I'll take him over Jim Nance any day. 
Jim Nance is suited for golf and for maybe NFL, but and for mo- and for monotone football play by play. You don't have that many people left to choose from. It is funny. Actually, Which is why I say announcing like, look, if you cut if you cut his feed, crowd noise during those CBS afternoon game or evening games or whatever, and just hell, just cut off all the announcing, just 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 pump up the the crowd noise. Man, I bet viewership would be so much higher because like it'll be like you're there and like you're you're a part of it all. It's all it's that that whole being present thing. It's like you're you're immersed in the scene. You're just missing the drunk person spilling a beer on you. Exactly. Which are you just missing it? Or are you missing it? Thankfully, you know. Well, I mean, if the, what you can say about Jim Nance is the same thing you can say about Joe Buck on Fox. Yeah, you can say that. I feel like it gets a bad rep too, but whatever. I mean, I realize like you know, apparently somebody has to do it. I know, but, but if nobody I, did it, I, I'd be cool with that. Well, I already know who's a better baseball announcer. I'm not even going to say any of the Orioles announcers because Jim Hunter's not. But um, Matt Vaskersian is probably the best baseball announcer there is you think was, so i like him i, 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 I like Vaskersen. I, I, I like him overall like he's he, he he's a baseball savant like he's i can tell he's a big fan too uh, yeah. i love it and i mean and, and Vaskersen can call pretty much anything if you go if you have a chance go on youtube look up matt Vaskersen, santa maria buccaneers and he calls the uh I don't even remember who had the kick return, but it was the first ever kick return for a touchdown in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. And that was, you know, that's a whole different story. I just thought about it. There's a hierarchy of announcers, my favorite announcers, not counting the home guys. There's Gus. There's Vaskersian. Mm-hmm. Kevin Harlan mm-hmm. is a good one. Okay. Marv Albert, just because I grew up listening to him on NBC. I feel like that's a big example. I'm saying today and active. Um... I do like Charlie Slows, but I, I remember him doing bullets play-by-play coverage uh, on TV and radio a long time ago. Wait, who? Charlie Slows, the Nationals radio guy. Charlie Slows? I, 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 so I never get the chance. I never get to listen to the Nats on the radio. Never. But I think I think uh, I think I just found the app where I can uh, at least this season. But no, for like I tried like hell like all last all last season to find him on anyway. But uh, was, his name is Charlie. What again? Charlie Slows. S L O W E S. Charlie Slows. All right, right on, right on. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned uh, Costas. Did you mention Costas? I don't think I heard you mention Costas. Right in play by play. He's like baseball that the greatest ever. Else. He's better in baseball than anything else because when Marv got fired from NBC. You could tell that you could see the huge difference between Marv and, and Bob Costas doing play by play. I actually think Greg Gumbel's not bad either. Yeah, see, I can't even. Greg Gumbel's I mean, I don't know, signature play is the year that the Jazz went to their first NBA final. They talked about John Stockton. It was a play John Stockton made, I think it was like a dagger shot. That, oh, oh, I like Steve Buckhantz because, again, Wizards. But, again, I haven't seen the Wizards that much on TV, so being able to watch them is very tough. What do you think of uh, Tony Romo, by the way, in the, uh, in the studio or in the booth? I, um, I've heard his color analysis. I think uh, he's good. He's announcing I don't mind. You don't find announcers who are, like, that in-depth like Romo is. Well, he's more of a color guy. I mean, a color guy analyst. Or, 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 I color, really... or, or even, I mean, even color guys, like... Romo, he, I feel like he like basically like goes over like the Cowboys like playbook. <laughs> I feel you know when, when he's when he's when he's talking to his X's and O's. Yeah, and that that'll work now. Who knows? Years down the road, Madden was the same way, and then you saw how everybody just 
at the end just saw he was just a shell of himself and it was a parody. And he would give away the obvious. Pat Summerall was really good play-by-play, but I feel like if the subject is current, active guys, I think that's a good, that is a good list. I mean, there's probably other people who have different local, who listen to people locally and things like that, and it might make some difference. But if we were saying national guys on the scene now, when it comes to play-by-play, I think those are some of the best ones, in my opinion. Let's sort of broaden this. Like, when it comes to just media voices in general, who do you look up to? You know, for me, it's... First guy that comes to mind, really, is Bomani Jones. I'm a big Bomani Jones fan, and I was... I was so crushed when I found that, you know, they were, uh, the ESPN, they weren't going to feature him, like, in their, like, daily lineup um, for, the, for this year any longer. He's, like, he's, he's going to do a podcast. Basically, like, he's, like, focusing on that. Now, Bomani Jones, man, like, he's a media voice. You don't, you don't get a lot of his, uh, lot of his perspective. I think, I, think, I think you would like him. I don't know if you've, like, really listened to him much. Uh, past, yeah, I listen to him a lot more on, on, on Highly Questionable. I listen to him a lot more on Highly Questionable. It's just, I have, nowadays, it's... It's a little bit tougher to, especially, yeah, it's a little bit tougher to actually gauge and engage in some of the stuff. I, I mean, ESPN to me is like a necessary evil. I'll only watch it if I really need to. And I've okay. had this discussion before I even wrote a post on it. It's like, I know, and I don't want to be one of those guys that's saying, oh, you know, I don't want to be like the equivalent of like everybody uses old man yells at cloud type thing. I I used to watch ESPN all the time from 1994, probably through the early to part of college. And I even joked, I, I wanted to work there. I used to have it as one of my ring ESPN theme as the, as my ringtone. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know, I feel like I slowly am getting out of touch with stuff. I want to, and as a journalist, I'd rather see the journalistic part instead of everybody give a hot take the whole embrace debate thing doesn't suit me. It's not like I don't like it. Hey, I watched, I, well, I used to be a big fan of Undisputed because I thought it was going to be something different and it was going to be great. And I like Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is another name on that list behind Bomani Jones. The only thing was, and then it just became the same old notes all the time. LeBron, mm-hmm. the Cowboys, the Spurs, LeBron, <laughs> the Cowboys, the Spurs, you see a pattern here, LeVar, LeVar Ball, <laughs> this and that. I mean, it got to a point where I thought it was going to be something different, and shame on me for believing that. But I'm still a big fan of, of Shannon Sharp. Yeah, Shannon Sharp, man. I, I just, like, he's, like, it's like, it's, you know, he's unconventional as far as, like, how he's become the, the, the studio guy he is today. But, I mean, yeah, Shannon Sharp, man, he, he, he knows his stuff. He, he uh, I mean, he's, he's a really bright dude, man. Funny dude, too, man. He's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you could put a picture of Shannon Sharp there. First thing comes to mind, Mel, Mel Skill. That's the first thing that comes <laughs> to my head because I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't even start with anything else. It just starts Mel Skill. Are there any writers that you keep up with nowadays? Like I follow like uh, like writers. I follow uh, Steve Russian. Steve Russian, of course, he's he's, he's my guy. Um, but then like um, you ever hear of like uh, he's not. Sports, not quite sports, though I think he had a take on the Kaepernick thing. Uh, I think it's Tanahasi Coates. Do you ever hear that name? I've the heard Atlantic? That, I've heard of the name. I'll admit I have not read a lot of I mean I'll right. read some stuff every yeah, now and then. I'll read stuff. Me. I'll read stuff from different news sources and things like that. 
It feels like everybody. Are there any, are there any like uh, lo- like like local guys? Uh, you uh, you keep an eye on every now and then. Like I'll I, work, I don't or? read a lot of local guys. Local? I, I'll read the Washington Post, but it feels like their lineup keeps changing so much. It's hard to really keep track of anybody. Maybe the maybe Dan Steinberg and the DC Sports Blog. It doesn't look like Tom mm-hmm. uh, Tom Boswell writes as much. So those things tend right, to be right. event. That's event right. We talked about him before. He's the man. He's the man there. Yeah, I can't really think of that many people, like, particular writers and authors that I can keep track of. I'll just read. If I see a story I'm interested in, I'm going to read it. Sometimes that's a benefit. Sometimes it's, you know, you're just in there for the story. You don't care in particularly who wrote it. You're just there for the right, story and for right, the information. Right. I know sometimes I, I can't help it, but I'm in a need where I just have to absorb information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also, you know, you got you, you to gotta stay woke, man. You gotta stay woke, so yeah, man. I, 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 I always try to try to see what's going, on. especially especially in the world of sports. Twitter definitely helps. It's like following like the different voices. Um, you know, I'll follow guys. And, you know, and now I guess broaden broadening it like uh, Vasquez, and I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm following him. Uh, like like a, like a I, Brian Kinney. I don't think Vasquez has him. a Twitter. He's always been talking on MLB Hot Stove. He doesn't have a Twitter. Oh damn! Also, I didn't. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> well, but, you, but, um, I mean, not the, not to call Kenny. you out or anything, but you might have some. Somebody might be faking, just like Charles Barkley. He says he don't have a Twitter I, I either. I, thought, I follow Shaq. Uh, I follow Shaq on Twitter. Shaq on Twitter? Yes, yeah, Shaq's been on Twitter. He called out Jose Canseco. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm following. Actually, the newest person I started following, Rafael Palmero. I didn't know he had one either. He just started one. Like, I, like, especially like, like recently, comeback. like because he's trying to get back in the league. Yeah. At 53, he's trying to get back. That is an interesting story. Unfortunately, I don't think it happened. It would be nice to see somebody at 50 play. Jamie Moyer was fairly close. Julio Franco was fairly close. But Dude, I bet I bet Rafi's swing was still look the same, man. Man, um, he had he had a sweet swing. It he, was so. Uh, on. I mean, they actually had so video cool. of him practicing in a batting cage. I mean, you can look at his swing and see. It's hard for me to tell. It's video on Twitter, and you know how everything can always be edited. No, I have to check it out. I have not seen the video. You said yeah. that there's a video. Well, he had like a double. He had like what did like, he went like two for four in, in the, the independent. It was a two doubles he hit. Yeah, I think so. And independently, everything can be inflated offensively because sometimes you can play an independent league where the league ERA is seven. Oh shit! No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. there's plenty of independent leagues out there where the numbers are ridiculously inflated. I mean, yeah, both I guess U.S. The, and the Mexico and people. other places like that. So it's like the equivalent of playing in the Pacific Coast League. If you have an ERA of four, eh, you're all right. You have an ERA of one, you're something special in the Pacific Coast League. But that's like if you have an OPS barely over 800 in the Pacific Coast League, which is a hitter's league, there's a lot of skepticism. What are your thoughts on sabermetrics? I know you took a baseball statistics class in college. So this sort of goes to like an, like an overall larger, uh, I guess, goal of mine as a fan, as as a journalist, as just a baseball guy, um, I need to pay more attention to sabermetrics. It's not because I think they have like huge influence on the game. I mean, I'm sure there's some correlation. It's not like it's an old concept. It's been around for a little while at this point in time. Now I'm going back to you know the, you know Billy Bean A's of you know the early 2000s. You can think about it, but or 2018. So overall. Sabermetrics, obviously, it's it's a philosophy worth following because it extends, you know, beyond baseball. I mean, you have what Daryl Moore in for the Rockets, Houston Rockets. You know, uh, apparently he had been, you know, taking some 
some philosophy from sabermetrics and building the Rockets from it. I think he's been doing it for the past three or four seasons now. And then, of course, you know, the Browns, they, you know, they hired a sabermetrics guy, a baseball guy. He was supposed to turn things around in Cleveland, but, you know, it's, it's Cleveland, you know. So <laughs> that's it, basically. It's Cleveland, you know. But sabermetrics overall, I just need to pay more attention to them. Uh, I still go with the eye test. I still harken back to, like, what I learned just from coaches and, and other guys that's grown up in the game. I definitely have a more more grounded approach. I'm not saying that like several metrics is like bougie or anything like that, you know, for like for like baseball fans. But I look for the narrative more so than I do like the uh, numeric like sort of equation of like how the of, of how things you know came to be. It's funny for me when it comes to statistics, as long as statistics have been recorded, they've always been important. And I know, of course, in the 70s, Earl Weaver started using his statistics and things. He would have index cards with statistics of who should baseball, play baseball, against certain baseball guys. Baseball is a numbers game. Baseball is a numbers game. This is true. But, like, I feel like you don't need, you know, you don't need so many numbers. I don't think you need, like, on the spectrum. Yeah, you don't need to know who hits with two strikes on a Thursday night away with temperatures over 70 degrees when the left-hander yeah. has a limp and a lazy eye and stuff like that. Now, I feel like <laughs> <Right>. this. When <laughs> it comes to statistics, I go by there's several things I'm interested in. There's the triple slash line, batting average, on-base mm-hmm. percentage, slugging. The mm-hmm. old school mm-hmm. line, the old school triple line, batting, batting average, home runs, and RBIs. And RBIs has a whole different mm-hmm. story that we're going to get on the next time about how RBIs, whether that is just dependent of luck and circumstance. And I also like fielding percentage, again, very deceptive because somebody fielding percentage, it all depends on their range, too, how many opportunities you get. But one thing yeah, I do I, like is isolated power. Yeah, yeah. Isolated power for a lot of people don't know, but it's basically your slugging percentage minus your batting average. So that basically Slugging tells you, yeah, minus batting average. Yeah, what is that ultimately like supposed to determine? Just like, what, what are we supposed to the level for? of power. Yeah, because that would be a stat where I'm just like, okay, this sounds cool. It sounds important. It measures batters raw power. So, yeah, so, isolated power is slugging percentage minus average. Uh, a slugging percentage, okay, okay, minus batting okay. average. So basically. All right, so you're you're determining your power hitters, and I guess that would determine where you hit hit at in the lineup. Or, or in other words, in other words, for whom is that metric for? Is that is that for you know pitching stats? Is that manager to determine the lineup? Like who's that most important to? According to Wikipedia, it measures how many extra bases a player averages per at bat. Okay, I can see how that would be a, a decent offensive metric. I don't think it's necessary though. But interesting, another nugget about this according to wikipedia again the term isolated power was coined by bill james but the concept dates back to branch ricky Ooh. so okay statistics have been used for a long time and maybe variations of sabermetrics have been i always saw well, that wait, wait, power is, is interesting it, wait, is it, i'm sorry is there a difference between statistics and sabermetrics like like is sabermetrics I feel like, like sabermetrics is maybe like... more advanced statistics okay i i think so i i can't get into the whole war thing and yeah. warp and yeah, runs created, that's a little over my head because math has never been my strong suit. It's like baseball stats, Pikachu. Sabermetrics, Raichu. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's... I'm a it's millennial, millennial, millennial reference there. Yeah, some people see sabermetrics <laughs> as not as bougie as you say, maybe like voodoo or sometimes a little extra stuff that isn't always needed. But yeah, that's my thing on sabermetrics. I feel like 
those are the only line, stat lines I'm concerned about. And there's plenty of other things to look at. I'll use that plus the eye test. And with pitching, it's a different story. I mean, ERA. ERA, strikeouts, ground ball percentage, and, and whip. Those are the only things, personally to me, in innings pitch that really helps. Innings, yeah. I like the innings pitch. So you, you mentioned ERA. Now, I was just thinking, like, ERA is one of those, like, classic, like, numbers that, you know, determines, like, salaries or whatever, basically. But, like, you consider uh, a circumstantial stat? Yeah. Or is you, it, like, how, how effective a pitcher truly is? Well, actually, so, I'll add that. Inherited runners. That's another thing because that can infect ERA because you do right. your job, you leave one runner and, on, and, somebody in the bullpen can't get the job done, your ERA and, goes and, up because of somebody else. And that's what I'm thinking of when I mention circumstantial statistics. What is ERA ultimately saying about the guy on, you know? Yeah, but I'm definitely a proponent of whip. whip. Because they say, Wait, all right, really. So whip, I'm, I'm a little furry on the concept. Walks and hits, by by inning's pitch. Basically, anything under... I'll be a little generous. Anything under 1.4 is good. Anything over that is just, you either walk a lot or you give up a ton of hits. The 1.4 is the bench. Again, that might be me generous. Some people say 1.25. That's like Kershaw level. But yeah, anything over 1.5 definitely is very worrisome. Gotcha, gotcha. Again, my opinion, as we wrap this up, boy, we've been going nonstop. All over the map. It's just the beginning, folks. Definitely. But as we wrap this up, what are some ways people can contact you? So I do have a Twitter handle. It's at Sparky McGriddlecakes. If uh, if you ever wanted to, you know, shoot me an email, it's my first and last name at Yahoo. And uh, yeah, outside of that, there aren't really too many other things that are going on. I mean, outside of, you know, this podcast, of course, you'll, you'll hear me on here, you know, every now and then. If not, quite a bit. Oh, so aside of... The Sports Refuge in this podcast. Uh, I do have my own blog. It's, uh, it's called From Out of Left Field. But yeah, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell as, as far as where I'm coming from now. Initially, the plan was we were going to do one with you, me, and my brother, Eddie. And Eddie was not feeling well, but... And we're always going to do that once we get all three, three people together, which sometimes can be difficult. This is pretty much us what we would do when we were growing up in newark maryland we just talk about sports we talk about primarily baseball and other things just like this except we're all grown folks now makes it a little easier and if you want to know a little more about us growing up there is a story called baseball a family reunion where where i go into depth about us growing up talking about sports going to baseball games all the time pretty good video and things like that as well and that is available on the sports refuge blog as well any closing arguments or parting shots I must say, uh, this has been pretty cool. I don't know if if, uh, if this is the way you planned it, but I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to uh, to, to doing this again. I think this is a good start. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, I know it's my first podcast. A little little, little nerves, but um, no, this, this is cool. I hope y'all enjoy. I'll be more insightful in the future. I feel like with anything, it's all about repetition. The more you do it, the easier it is. The nerves go away. The filler words go away. Believe me, yeah. I've done that a few times. I look back and I spend hours editing out the filler words, the ums, the you knows, the I means. It can be frustrating, but once you do it. It's a workout. It's a workout. <laughs> it's definitely a workout. Once again, thanks a lot and definitely look forward to doing this again. 
Uh, thank you, man. And that concludes my interview with Theran Dennis. I hope you really enjoyed it. Tune in next week as my guest will be Ben Penserga, a good friend and a former co-worker of mine at the Daily Times in Salisbury, Maryland. And some of the topics we'll discuss will be how he got into collecting different types of sports memorabilia, including autographs, helmets, and jerseys. We'll also discuss which teams in sports have some of the better looking jersey designs and which teams have some of the ugliest ones that you've ever seen. And don't forget that the Sports Refuge podcast is available for download as well for you to take on the go. You can find us at Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. And don't forget while you're there to give us a review and a like. And if you have any additional comments, you can feel free to email us at thesportsrefuge at gmail.com. Also, if you want to catch up with me or follow me, go on Twitter and I'm at the Earl Holland. And if you like, you can follow the Sports Refuge on Twitter at the Sports Refuge. And on Instagram, we are at Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening to the Sports Refuge podcast and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. Tune in next time for more interviews on sports, pop culture, and everything in between. For more information on the show, go to the Sports Refuge website at www.thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog.